Good morning. My name is Sam Elderswald. I'm the pastor of student ministries here at Fifth. Uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us online. It's a pleasure to be preaching this morning. I don't wear a suit that often. I felt like the occasion fit that I'd be preaching. The last time I wore this suit, I was actually interviewing for this job. I remember, I remember walking into the church and Brian saw me and he's like, why are you wearing a suit interviewing for a student ministries pastor position? And I basically said, I want this job. That's, that's why. So it worked out, thankfully. Uh, this is a unique experience for me. Uh, not only did I recently start working here at Fifth, I grew up in this church as well. I remember for the first 18 years of my life sitting in this general area. Uh, every single week, those are the most comfortable seats, I think. And I, I want to say thank you, Fifth Church, for laying the foundation of faith in my life. Um, it was a joyful experience to be part of this church growing up. And then you've also received uh, myself back, my wife Gretchen, our, our, one-year-old dar- uh, our one-year-old daughter Charlotte back, and you've loved us and cared for us so well. So thank you for that. It's good to be here this morning. It's good to be worshiping with you. As Brian said, we're in the season of Advent. This is the fourth Sunday in Advent. Advent is a season of preparation, of anticipation for Jesus Christ to be born into this world. We're, we're five days away now. I was going to say six days. Maybe it is five days. From, from Jesus being born into this world, to se- we're celebrating Christmas so soon. We're waiting for that joyful morning because Christ entering into this world is a symbol of hope. It's a symbol of God's love for us, a symbol that God does not abandon his people. But after we celebrate the birth of Jesus, is our waiting over? Our waiting is not over. Our waiting continues. Since Jesus ascended into heaven, he said he's coming back and we do not know when, so we wait. Those of us that follow Christ are constantly waiting. And honestly, for me, I find myself thinking all the time, Jesus, I want you back right now. I think now is the time. This world is so broken. There's so much evil out there. Please come back now. Our souls long to be united with our Savior for eternity. And when that time comes, it will be a glorious moment filled with tears, happy tears and a warm embrace from Jesus Christ himself. Until that time, we wait. But this waiting doesn't look like us waiting for a table in a restaurant. It doesn't look like us waiting in the theater for the show to begin. The show has already begun. And in fact, we are in the show. We are just waiting for the final act. So as people who are in between the period of Jesus' ascension and his coming again, how do we wait? What do we do in this process? In our waiting, we have a role to play. God's redemptive work in this broken world is happening through us, through me and through you. The coach is calling a play and he's telling us, you're in the game right now. There are people in this world who do not know Jesus and we have a role to play in being the presence of Jesus to these people. We wait with faith. And in Luke 1, Mary shows us a powerful example of how we wait. Mary's response to God sets the tone for waiting with faith for the rest of her life. Before we read Luke 1, let me pray for us. Lord, we are thankful for this morning. We are thankful that we get to read your word. We pray that what we hear this morning, we can apply it to our lives. Would you open our eyes, open our ears to what you're going to say to us. And may these words from my mouth be pleasing to you. 
We pray these things in your name. Amen. Our reading this morning is from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This indeed is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jennifer. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Nazareth. In the previous passage, we hear about God sending the angel Gabriel to Jerusalem, to Zechariah, the priest. That makes a lot of sense to me. God speaking to a priest who's a holy person. God going to Jerusalem, which is a holy city, the city of King David. God speaking through the angel in a temple, God's holy dwelling place. That makes a lot of sense. Makes sense that God's work is done in the temple and that he reveals himself to a holy person in a holy place. But now in our passage, God sends the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a place that is far from Jerusalem a place where simple people live with not much wealth, a place that was thought of as a joke, as Nathaniel reveals, by saying what good comes from Nazareth as Jesus himself is approaching him. Nazareth was a place of about 400 people and a far cry from the holy city of Jerusalem. Yet God chose Mary of Nazareth to bear his child, and because of this, Nazareth would be forever known as the birthplace of Jesus Christ himself. So what does this mean about God? God notices the overlooked, the unseen, the ones thought of as second-class citizens because Mary as a woman in first century Judaism was thought of as a second-class citizen. But God speaks to these people, to people in these situations and desires for them to listen to and follow him. God revealed himself to Mary through the angel Gabriel in a town that had no respect 
to a woman whose only respect was given to her by the man she was about to marry, who happened to be in the family of King David himself. If God speaks to and works through people like Mary, and in places that are not considered to be holy, what is stopping God from speaking to you? At work, in your home, as you go to school, as you're hanging out with your friends, as you're in places you shouldn't be, as you're going through the mundane day in and day out, what is stopping God from speaking to you in those places? God spoke to Mary of Nazareth. And nothing good comes from Nazareth, right? God speaks to all people, and especially people that are seen as not important, the ones that are overlooked. God speaks to you and to me. God is not afraid to attach his name to people that are overlooked and thought of as not important. And of course, God can use everyone in this room, no matter where you come from, no matter what background you have, no matter if you have a degree behind your name or not, no matter how old you are, God notices and loves you. And in fact, God speaks to you and God calls you to live a different life, just like he did to Mary of Nazareth. God sees people like Mary and he's willing to attach his name to them, to a nobody like her for all of eternity. This is the kind of God that I want to serve because God sees people like that. We know that God can notice us when we feel like we are not seen by the world around us. And he also died for people like Mary of Nazareth, people that the world overlooks, people like you and me. So if that's the kind of God that we serve, the almighty creator, the ever-loving father, how do we respond when God speaks to us? Not if God speaks to us, how do we respond when he does speak to us? How did Mary respond when God called her to be the mother of Jesus Christ? We're going to focus on three ways that we find in Scripture. The first way is what we see at the end of our passage in verse 38. Mary responded with faith, which which wasn't just an intellectual understanding of who God is. Mary responded with her whole life, her body and soul to the living God. Verse 38 says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary had no hesitation in accepting God's call on her life through the angel Gabriel. Now, it could be easy to read this passage and think, how could Mary say no? God is offering to be born himself through her. God is attaching himself to her. She's going to be related to the Son of God. That is an amazing thing. It could be easy to just say, you know what, Mary, I would do the same thing. I would say yes in a heartbeat to what God is calling me to do. But if we don't think about what happened in Mary's life because of that, the consequences of her saying, I'm the Lord's servant, we, we miss the weight of this statement. By Mary saying that she is the Lord's servant, she's willing to become pregnant out of wedlock and with a baby that's not even related to her fiancé. And not only is she willing to put her relationship with Joseph at risk, she's willing to put her life at risk. Women in Mary's situation who were thought of as people who committed adultery, were allowed to be stoned to death. And we know that in Scripture in John 8, when Jesus stands by the woman who was found in committing adultery. Even though Mary did not commit adultery by becoming pregnant, I'm not sure how many others would hear her saying, you know what, this is actually God's baby. I'm not sure how many people would listen to that and believe her. 
So she was an outcast immediately when she said, I am the Lord's servant. With all of those possibilities of Mary's life going down the drain, she still said, yes, I'm willing to follow you, God. She knew who God was. She knew God's character. She had faith that he would provide for her and protect her along the way, even though she did not know what life would look like ahead. She knew there would be a significant cost to being the mother of Jesus Christ. Yet she said yes anyways. And not only did did God call Mary to live a life that is different, God is calling us to live a life that is different than the society around us. God is calling us to live a life that is against the grain of the world around us. God is calling you to give your whole life to him. And even when you don't know what life will look like, By pursuing God's call, we can wait with faith just like Mary did. Are you the type of person that likes to figure out exactly what your life is going to look like if you decide to do something different? You make a list of pros and cons, positives and negatives for if you make a change, what's going to happen in your life? Have you ever said no to God because of this list that you made? You felt like the negatives far outweighed the positives. Of course, God is calling us to be wise, to discern if if we feel like we need to make a change in our lives, to ask God, is this really you trying to make a change? We can talk with other people, we can read the word, we can pray. There is a time of discernment for things like that. But if we really feel like God is calling us, God himself is calling us into something new, why say no? God does not make mistakes and when he calls people into something new, he will do something beautiful. And if you found yourself avoiding God's call in your life, respond with faith like Mary and see what happens as a result. God will use you and you will find tremendous joy as you feel like you are partnering in ministry with a living God himself. Now is the time to say yes to God without knowing what's going to happen in the future. There was a time in my life where I felt like God was doing something new around my junior year in college. I was studying engineering at the time taking all those wonderful math classes, calculus. But also within my heart, I felt like God was leading me into something different. I loved doing ministry. I was a young life leader. I led high school students. I worked as a camp counselor. I loved sharing my faith, encouraging younger people to pursue the Lord. And so I was kind of caught in the middle and I didn't know what to do. And so for about a year or so, there was this period of discernment. God, is this something that you really want me to do? Am I really supposed to not be an engineer and go pursue full-time ministry, which is totally different than anybody around me, totally different than anybody in my family as well? It was a difficult decision, but I felt like after that year or so, I wanted to go do ministry. I felt like the Lord was going to bless that, that choice because it was the Lord leading me. So I took that step of faith not knowing what was going to happen in my life as a result of that. It wasn't an easy conversation with my parents especially. I'm sure parents in this room can attest to it's, it's not exactly the most comforting words to hear your, your son or daughter say, you know what, I'm not going to be an engineer. I'm going to go into full-time ministry. That was not an easy time in my life, but now my, my parents definitely understand. They, they totally get that the Lord is leading me in this, but it was a tough time. But I felt like after I took that step of faith, after I said, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to go into full-time ministry. The Lord's blessed me along the way. It hasn't, it hasn't been 
all flowers, but yet I felt like the Lord has given me an opportunity to be a youth pastor now, but also a youth pastor right after I graduated college. He gave me the opportunity to go to seminary. The Lord is leading me down this path, and if I didn't take that step, I don't know where I would be at this point. So this example is from my own life. It's a pretty big example. I'm not asking everyone to go into full-time ministry at this point, but God is calling us to do something new at all times. He's constantly trying to speak to us, and he wants us to respond well. And so my question to you is, are you listening to God and are you willing to say yes if you feel like God is speaking to you, whether it's a big change or small change for something in your life? Is there a coworker that you've wanted to invite over for dinner to meet your family, to introduce Jesus to them? Is there a neighbor that you could befriend that you feel like is lonely, that doesn't have that many people around in their lives? Is there a conversation with a family member that you've wanted to have for a really long time, but you've been putting that conversation off? God is constantly leading us into something new, and we can take that step of faith like Mary did. So how else did Mary respond with faith in her life? She followed Jesus all the way to the cross. There's a reason why we have the cross at the center of the sanctuary. Mary herself saw her son on the cross. John 19 verses 25 through 27 says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. At the heart of the Christian story is Jesus dying on the cross. Jesus actually having nails in his hands and in his feet. Having a crown of thorns on his head. Dying to make atonement for our sins. Jesus allowed for us to have no barrier between us and God. And in Mary's walk with Jesus, she did not avoid seeing her own son die in a way that he did not deserve. Mary watched and saw the effect that sin had on this world and she understood that Jesus had to go to the cross to get rid of the power of sin over our lives. We cannot serve God without looking at the cross and seeing ourselves as the reason why Jesus had to go there. And it's okay to be sad about that. It's okay to mourn the fact that God himself had to go to the cross for us. Without the cross, we don't have a savior. And our sins still have power over us. So do not avoid the cross in your own walk with Jesus. I want to say I am the Lord's servant to a God that is willing to go to a place like that for me. I'm willing to give my life to a God that does that. In remembering the cross and our place within that story, we are better able to serve the Lord without hesitation today. Lastly, Mary was part of the early church and she prayed consistently with other believers. After Jesus died and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, the Christian faith expanded like wildfire and Mary had a part in that movement. She could have said, no God, I cannot do this. You put me through so much at this point. I watched my own son die. I can't do this. But yet she understood the power of Jesus and she wanted other people to know who Jesus was. So she was part of the early church. She did not leave the faith at that point in time. She witnessed the power of the living God right in front of her and she desperately wanted others to know who God was. 
Acts 1, verses 12, 14 says this. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Mary stayed faithful to God her whole life, even with all of the challenges that came about. There was a significant cost to following Jesus in her life, yet she knew that if others came to know Jesus as a result of her living with faith, it was all worth it. Friends, there is, significant, there is a significant cost for us to follow Jesus in this world. There's a significant cost to responding to God's call in faith without really knowing what life is going to look like ahead. This world rejected Jesus when he was here. This world is going to reject Jesus and his followers, ourselves, when he's not visibly here. Waiting for Jesus is not easy, but we can wait because Jesus will come back and make all things new. There are times when I think, Jesus, I want you to come back right now, and I'm sure you do as well. But if we wait with faith, if we respond like Mary does, other people around us will come to know Jesus, which is a beautiful thing. Mary was willing to follow God's call without knowing the future. She was willing to see Jesus on the cross. And she was willing to pray consistently with other believers because she believed that through prayer, God was listening and God acts upon what we say to him. This was Mary's way of waiting with faith. This was Mary's way of responding to God's call on her life. So friends, how are you waiting for the Lord with faith? How are you entering into God's redemptive work in the world right now? If you find yourself standing on the sidelines, look at Mary's story and trust that God will take care of you and provide for you along the way. Take that step of faith. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please pray with me. Lord, thank you for Mary's story. Thank you for telling us how you entered into the world, how you came to us in the form of a baby, which is extremely humble, that you would be dependent on, on other people. We ask that we can live with faith, that we can be people uh, that talk about our faith, that show the light of Christ into this world. We thank you for the word of God. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.